This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really. And the best part is anyone can take advantage of GMC's platform by signing up for consignment services. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com consignment and start moving your cards with Greg Morris today. What's up, everyone? This is episode 241 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my ex account is at Wax Museum PC. Well, I hope that everyone's doing well this week. I hope you found the cards you've been looking for. Or maybe you moved out of some stuff you've held for a long time. Whatever your collecting goals are right now, I hope that those are happening. And, you know, that's kind of what I talked about with my guest in today's main segment. You might remember Will, a.k.a. Prolific Sports Cards, from episode 208. And I've been chatting with him a little bit. And I found out that he's been pivoting lately and having a lot of fun in the process. So I invited him on the show We chatted about those moves, we chatted about meeting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the National, and a number of other things in today's main segment, so you'll want to make sure to stay tuned for that. But first, I've got a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, First up here this weekend, I went to a card show in Orlando, Florida called the Nona Collect Show, and I really enjoyed that experience. If you saw my YouTube recap, you might remember me mentioning that it should have taken me about an hour and 15 minutes to get there. Well, I-4 was a mess, and it ended up taking three and a half hours instead, which was frustrating, kind of deflating. I'm just sitting there in the the parking lot for the show thinking, man, it's already been a long day, but even that couldn't ruin my day. So uh, I've talked a little bit about this show before. I know this is actually my second time going, and, and this is the fourth time they've done the show, but they do this at a place called Drive Shack, which is, I would say, the equivalent of a Top Golf. And last time I went, the, the show was just on the second story of this facility. So it got really, really cramped in there really, really quick. But there were a lot of dealers that I'd never seen before. And overall, I, I thought it was a great experience then. So I decided to come back this time and they listened to what people were saying. So they opened up the bottom part of the floor as, uh, of the show as well, the second floor. And then they had this kind of that bay area. They had some uh, people set up out there as well. So there was a lot more space, although it still felt pretty crowded. So it will be interesting to see what a growing show does kind of in response to that. Like I said, they did respond to the last time they expanded from there. So I'm curious to see what it will look like going forward. They might even outgrow this venue, which would be a bit of a shame because it is kind of cool having it at a place like this. They've got food on site. It's just something different, different than your normal, you know, hotel uh, conference room or whatever. But uh, I guess time will tell. Now, I do want to talk about some of my goals going into this show and, and really my goals going to any show 
It's, yes, I want to see some of the people there that I see on a regular basis, but I'm also looking for cards. I'm looking for things I can add to my PC, or I'm looking for things that I can move and, and maybe put in, in either my COMC inventory or my in-person show inventory, because I set up a few times a year, things that I can move to get more cards for my PC. So the end goal is still pretty much my PC. It's just really hard sometimes to find PC cards at this show, but that doesn't mean there aren't opportunities there. So speaking of opportunities, with me showing up two hours later than I anticipated because of traffic, I was kind of worried about opportunities going in. I'm thinking, you know what? Everyone's already seen the boxes before me. All of the people that dig will have found all the good stuff, and and this day is probably ruined. But uh, that ended up not being the case at all. And there were a, a few instances where I w- was probably about four hours into this show, and there was a Derek Jeter card on the front of a box, and I asked somebody, hey, you know, what's the price on this? Because they didn't have a tag on it. And they said, well, probably 25 or $30. And this card was worth over $100, or at least that's what uh, Super Dan told me. He's the Jeter guy. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting, seeing as it had been there for so long, how many people had walked by that card. And it, and it really wasn't even hidden. It was just on the front of the box. So how many people had walked by that and not done anything about it? And I, I don't say that to say that I had any amazing skills there. It was just something pretty simple that I did that was able to lead, hopefully, to a PC card down the line because of Derek Jeter, because that's not something that I will be keeping. So I guess, um, you know, those worries about not getting there in time or whatever, uh, that stuff was out of my control anyway. So I just had to put that aside and try to to soldier through that. So the moral of the story there, other than avoid I-4 unless you absolutely have to, um, do everything in your power to create opportunities. Even if you think they've already passed you by, do your homework ahead of time. I, I did quite a bit of digging in the value boxes, and I found even some of those parallels that I talked about recently on a, a couple weeks ago on that episode. I've got another parallels episode lined up for the future. I found one of those parallels that I talked about on there. So that was a great day. It felt like, hey, I actually am finding the stuff that I say that I'm hunting for. Also, dig in every box as long as time allows for it, and then don't be afraid to ask questions. Does this work every time? Absolutely not. Uh, there are some shows I've been to where I purchased zero cards before. I'm not not going to try and force something if it's just not there. But in many cases, it is. You just have to be on high alert. Okay, so anyway, that was my card show experience. Hopefully, you had a chance to go to a show as well. We're spoiled here in Florida, but this is one we don't have as often. So I definitely went out of my way to go to this one. And like I said, I will be going to this one in the future as well. All right, the second thing I want to talk about from this week is one piece of mail. I I probably got a few other things. They don't even come to mind right now, so I'm not going to talk about them. But I have one particular card I need to talk about. You might remember a few weeks ago I talked about a card I really wanted but had to return. And that was a 2022-23 Panini Chronicles Hoops Premium Gold, number to 10, of Benedict Matherin. And this is a card that I had bought from a, a pretty big consigner. I was excited about it. It's It fits the criteria of me wanting a gold chromium card from Benedict Matherin's rookie year. It was a game that I went to that's pictured on the card. It was a game in Miami. It was, you know, obviously Benedict Matherin. So it checked a lot of boxes for me. Just a great looking card. Had some, some nice Panini lineage. It was a nice throwback to the Hoops Premium product uh, that some people will remember quite a bit from the 
pandemic era. So anyway, was really excited about that. Got the card in the mail and it had, I thought it was a scratch. It ended up being a big kind of like a dent in it, like one of those fingernail dents in it. Those of you that have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It probably wasn't even done by a human being. It's something that I think is happening in the manufacturing process. So I wrestled with it for a while. Do I send this back? What do I do with this? I asked my friends. They said, you know, you need to send that back. And as I'm doing that, I said, you know what? I am never going to see one of these again. And lo and behold, I sent it back. And like, I don't know, two or three days later, another one shows up on eBay. So I see this and I'm already laser focused. I'm going to bid strong on it, which I did. It did cost me a little more than the last time. That's fine. I don't want to play this game, you know, three or four times and, and lose out on it again. So long story short, I won the card. It was an overseas auction, though. So I'm thinking, you know what? If this one also has that manufacturer defect and it wasn't described and it shows up and it's disappointing, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to return that one. That's going to be a, a, a bit of a tricky situation. So the moment of truth came, that one showed up and everything was fine. What a relief. Uh, I'll put that video of me unboxing that on my YouTube if it's not there already. I'll also try to get that on social media so you can see it. That is, if you haven't already muted me for posting so many Paul George cards in such a short amount of time, a lot more than I would normally post on social media, but I was trying to get that whole list of 10 out there. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com. And right now, they're hosting an NBA tip-off event. So if you've got basketball cards, send them in and you can get 30% off both elite and select submissions. Additionally, if your new elite submissions sell for over $100, you can earn a full rebate on processing fees. There's a lot of good stuff going on there right now. Head on over to the ComC blog and check it out for yourself. Okay, and then real quick, some of you have asked me for ways you can help support this show. The easiest way is my eBay affiliate link. And using this link costs you absolutely nothing, just an extra 30 seconds or so of your time, but it helps support the show. To access this link, simply go to waxmuseumpodcast.com, click the eBay logo, shop as planned, so whatever you are going to buy anyway, just click my link first, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey, this is Bob Nettleke, former Indiana Pacer, played on a few championship teams, had a lot of fun. You know, I'm listening to the Wax Museum podcast, one of the best there is. Okay, so joining me today is someone that you heard from back in February on episode 208, where we talked about his Knicks and photography, bearded rookie cards, uh, among other things. And since then, we met up in person at the National, where we both had our own experience with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I've talked about mine already. We'll hear about his here shortly. Will, we have got so much to catch up on today, which is your birthday, by the way. So happy birthday. How's it going, man? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me. You know, there's nothing better to do on your birthday than talk about cards. So I'm very happy to be here and excited to do our second episode. Well, I appreciate you giving up your birthday. I I don't take that lightly. So uh, we will be respectful of your time here today. This past week marked the official start of the 2023 preseason. And the last time we talked, I asked for your thoughts on this current Tom Thibodeau era of Knicks basketball. And you guys ended up making quick business of the number four seed Cavs. 
before falling in six games to the Heat, which honestly I think is still better than expected. What all moves did you guys make this offseason, and what are your expectations for this team moving forward? I have very high expectations for the team this year. Um, I like the way that they're doing it as far as, you know, kind of slow, steady growth. Going out and making a trade for James Harden would have been very mix, something they've they've done in the past, moves like that. So I'm happy that they're growing through the draft and, you know, um, developing the young players that they have. I think that's the way to do it. Those types of teams are easy to root for. So this might be, uh, you know, a hot take, but I'm expecting the three seed this season. Uh, that, that is a scorching take, but <laughs> but go on. I don't want to interrupt you here. If you're watching this in eight months and that was totally wrong, <laughs> do not play this back or send it to me. But I think we'll be behind the Bucks. I think we'll be behind the Celtics, but um, only up from last year. You got Dante DiVincenzo, who I think was their their big addition. So he'll he'll provide a lot of shooting. Um, we re-signed Josh Hart. Mm-hmm. So everything, you know, just improvements all around. So I'm I'm very excited to see how they do. Yeah, I thought the the Josh Hart move was really good for you guys uh, when you originally got him. And so re-signing him was huge. He seemed like he really fit what Thibodeau wanted to do with that team. And then um, now you did have some uh, subtraction as well, I guess we could say. So Derek Rose is gone, but he wasn't really playing. You traded Obi Toppin to the Pacers for two second rounders. And I, I, you know, as a Pacers fan, I, I'm pretty excited about that move. And and yes, I've already had several Knicks fans tell me that that I should temper my expectations. I'm not expecting the world from him, but we are thin at the four and, and he fits what we want to do. What were your thoughts on Obi Toppin's tenure as a Nick? Certainly disappointing. I mean, there were a lot of um, expectations from him. Disappointing in the sense that he never really got the chance to shine. Um, I was looking at his stats between year one and year two. He improved in every category. Percentage, three-point shooting, points, rebounds, minutes. So from there, to have a minutes reduction in year three was a disappointment for sure, just as he was starting to grow. A lot of that is due to being stuck behind Julius Randle, who I think I, I probably like more than the average Knicks fan. He's been super consistent, all-NBA caliber player for three straight years. Um, I think he's already a top 10 or 15 Nick of all time. So understandably oh, wow. behind behind him on the on the depth charts. So I'm, I'm just happy to see him uh, get some more minutes, hopefully, in Indiana with you. Well, um, you are incredibly optimistic about your Knicks and about Julius Randle top 10 or 15. I'm, that's going to take me a second to, to really let that soak in. But I mean, you're the one watching the games and, and he has been pretty good for you guys. And uh, I know somebody told me that Obi Toppin was like the Michael Jordan in uh, for games that don't matter. And uh, <laughs> he might have a lot of those in Indiana. So we'll see. I might still be pretty happy with him. So uh, either way, it is okay to be optimistic now. There's nothing wrong with that. But if things kind of fall apart, then I think you and I have both kind of conceded to the fact that sometimes it's just better to turn back the clock and collect players from previous eras. And while I'm like really into the 2010s right now and, and Paul George stuff, I've done a complete 180 on that. You're going even further back because you've already done the mellow era. You've already done all that. So now you're going even further back and not just Walt Frazier like you talked about last time. Is this a recent pivot or uh, tell me what's going on here and, and feel free to share some of the pieces you picked up as well. Well, as a Knicks fan, you have to go pretty far back to the uh, championship years. So it certainly started from Walt Frazier. I mean, he's been 
the voice of basketball essentially for me growing up a Knicks fan, him broadcasting all the games for us. So he's what kind of started my collecting journey, will always be my favorite player of all time. But from there, just learning about those teams in uh, the 70s and 70 and 73, so many amazing players. I think they're one of the best teams of all time. They had, you know, seven Hall of Famers on the roster at one point, took down Wilt in the finals. Um, so it's been a ton of fun to to learn about those seasons and read about them. Um, so some of the other guys, Willis Reed, Dave DeBusher, Bill Bradley, Phil Jackson, Earl Monroe. It's been a whole lot of fun to learn about an era that I didn't get to watch in person um, and also kind of, you know, learn about some better times in New York City when the Knicks were winning championships. So what are some of the pieces that you picked up? I mean, you named some of those players. I, th- I think you've grabbed some pieces of those guys. Do you have anything in mind that you've grabbed recently? One of my favorites recently would be a 1972 Topps DeBusher auto. Um, so he did a lot of autographs in, in ballpoint pen. So it's a great looking card. Certainly one of my favorite Topps designs, that 72 with the diagonal team name across the front. And that bright that yellow one, background too looks great. Yeah, such a great card. Great photography, great poses. Um, so I love that one. Another one that we were talking about earlier would be a couple of these 1981 TCMA uh, multi-sport cards. So perfect for autographs in that they have a plain design, um, no name across the front, just the picture of the player, a nice matte finish. So I've gotten a Walt Frazier autograph. Our mutual friend Jason helped me out with that one, M Heat Cards. Okay. Shout out to Jason. Appreciate that. Shout out out to Jason, friend of the show. (laughs) I found a Willis Reed as well to match on eBay. So this one obviously wasn't able to get in person due to his recent passing, but very happy to pair those two up. Awesome. Well, and hopefully you'll be able to add some more to that. I imagine there's some more Knicks in that set. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that. And I feel like when it comes to vintage stuff, you Knicks guys have it pretty good because pretty much all of your Hall of Famers or all the guys that you named have been pretty good signers for decades. And most of them are still alive too. I know you mentioned Willis Reed has passed away and then Dave DeBusher uh, obviously passed away in 2003, but they were still both great signers while they were alive. And then you got a guy like Dick Barnett who I had all sorts of trouble getting for my 72 set for whatever reason, he's, he's just did a signing recently. So all of that is to say, it's a great time to be collecting seventies Knicks stuff. Um, I I feel like you timed this pretty well. Certainly. Yeah. A lot of good signers. Like you mentioned, Dick Barnett doing the paid signings. Jerry Lucas has got a paid signing that I just sent to 81 TCMA into the one guy who just, has to be the uh, the outlier there is Bill Bradley. I'm struggling on yeah. those, but I'm always, always looking for him online. So what I've noticed is that Bill Bradley is still pretty consistent signing his mail, but he signs like once a year. So you'll have, or, or sometimes even once every two years. So you might have guys that have returns that took 300 days or 400 days, but uh, he is pretty automatic. It's usually in black Sharpie. So my suggestion, anyone that wants Bill Bradley, go out there, find his address on one of the websites and send a card to him. Forget about it. It'll show up one day. It'll be a nice surprise. Uh, at least that's what happened happened to me a couple times over the years. Now, um, from our recent message exchanges, it seems like this pursuit might even be extending to Nick's opponents as well, because not long ago, you sent me a picture of a Walt Frazier card, but he's being guarded by Keith Erickson, who was on the Lakers at the time. 
And you asked me if I thought Erickson would sign and which I can understand. That's a good question because it, not everyone would probably want to sign a card of a finals they lost in, but we, we know that Keith Erickson's a pretty good signer. Uh, I've seen some other things done like that with the 72 tops card. So I felt pretty good about it. I said, yeah, I think he'll sign I'm guessing that request has already been sent out. Have you heard anything back from Keith yet? Not yet. I sent it out recently. So the card for reference is the 1973 tops number 68. Um, it's got a picture of Walt Frazier playing in that 73 finals and he's being guarded by Keith Erickson there. So not really a household name, but a super interesting guy with a kind of fascinating multi-sport career. So That'll be a, a piece I'm thrilled to get back if I can get it signed by Erickson and then the goal one day to to meet Clyde again because I've gotten the chance to meet him twice now and get him to sign his half of the card as well. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And and I'm wondering, I, I know you're a guy that does all the inscriptions. Uh, if you get Erickson on it and then you get Clyde afterwards, you've got to have something about you know Clyde beating him or, or finals champ. Or, it's got to be something like that, right? Yeah, we'll definitely do that. Erickson got his uh, championship in 72. So hopefully he's not too bitter about uh, yeah, no, two we losses don't, to the Knicks. <laughs> we don't feel bad about Keith Erickson. He had his time already. Uh, now, speaking of 70s guys, I mentioned in the intro and 70s Lakers, really, that we both had a brief interaction with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at this year's National. And correct me if I'm wrong, you're a Chicago guy. So this was in your backyard, right? Yes, I'm very spoiled in that regard. I live in downtown Chicago, so for me to get out to Rosemont for the National, it's about 30 minutes, easy train ride or a quick Uber. So I'm selfishly very happy to see three straight years of uh, the National in Chicago after this coming year. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I've talked about, hey, I'm not sure if I want to go back and blah, blah, blah. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I've gone through all this on the show already. It's just it's just exhausting. I imagine for you, it's a little bit different because you are right there. So before we get into all the Kareem stuff, because there's a lot to talk about there, I want to just devote you know, plenty of time for that. Talk to me a little bit more about your national experience this past year. Uh, you know, Was this your first time? What all were you looking for? What did you pick up? I, I was going to ask, will you be back? But I think that's we, we know the answer to that. But go ahead and run us through some of those pieces. Yeah, this was my second national. So I went to the previous Chicago iteration in 21. And like I said, it's easy for me to get there. So I didn't have a whole lot of expectations. I just wanted to kind of pop over, you know, look for some cards, look for some Nick stuff, look for some vintage, look for some uh, Carmelo Anthony case hits um, and meet up with a few friends as well. Um, I know we'll touch on the, the Kareem autograph later, but for me, that was the number one goal of the show. Um, so if I never find anything, I always leave with something. I always get the experience of that signing or meeting a player. So it takes a lot of the pressure off where I don't feel forced to buy something or, you know, feel like I want to come away with something. Um, so it, it does create a nice kind of low stress environment where I can just kind of peruse, see what I find in, uh, in low stakes. And and your costs aren't as high as a lot of people seeing as you are local, you don't have all the travel attached to it. So pretty ideal situation to be in, especially like you said, with them just stacking up all those Rosemont Nationals here in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, my my budget is such that it would be tough for me to get a flight and a hotel for a couple nights um, just to spend um, some more money on cards. So the fact that it's in my back backyard just uh, a few minutes away, it makes it very nice for you know 99% of my costs for the weekend will be on the cards themselves. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Kareem here. 
because you talked about how that was your main goal. And as most people have probably heard by now, the whole Kareem experience was um, a bit of a situation. I don't know how else to describe it. And I say that with all due respect. I don't think it was Kareem's fault. I want to emphasize he was very cordial with me when I got my photo with him. It was a great experience for me. Um, But after talking with you, I'm glad I skipped out on the autograph portion. And I know this will take a little bit of time to go through. That's fine. I planned on that. Talk us through this whole saga from start to finish as you remember it. Yeah, for me, I jumped on the autograph ticket pretty quick when I saw it was announced that he would be there. You know, I thought, perfect. He's in my backyard. Never met him, never owned one of his autographs. This will be a perfect chance. So I got the ticket. He was signing two days. He was signing on both Friday and Saturday. So I figured, okay, I'll go to the Friday time slot, get that done. And then Saturday, I'll have the whole day dedicated to just browsing cards. That would have been ideal. That's not how it (laughs) happened. Um, The line moved incredibly slow for a few reasons so number one to his credit he was you know taking his time on autographs he has a very precise signature and definitely appreciate the you know the care and attention into getting everyone's items signed exactly how they want it they were also the big issue with why it took so long was that they were upcharging you based on their perceived condition of the 69 rookie cards so if you brought them a, a raw 1969 rookie and they thought it was a PSA 2, it's this price. If they thought it was a PSA 7, it was $10,000 or you know something ridiculous. And mind you, this is his manager. This was not a professional grader. So it led to some conversations, we'll say, about uh, the condition or the grade. Of and I imagine cards. it was skewed a little bit in Kareem's favor. Oh, most definitely. Um, So there's a lot of back and forth on every item, a lot of discussion between people um, and his management team. Um, A lot of things he was refusing to sign for various reasons. A lot of people wanted the Lou Alcindor autograph from him, which wasn't going to happen. Yeah, no way that's going to happen. Yeah, so it took a long time. So anyway, waited a few hours till the end of the show um, on Friday, probably three or four hours I waited in line never got through the VIP and priority pass autographs. So I came back on Sunday. Um, it took the entire day again. So all in all, I spent probably close to 10 hours in line oh my waiting God. waiting for this uh, autograph. So it definitely changed my experience at the show a bit. Um, certainly thought I was going to have more time, you know, meeting up with people and walking around, but made some friends. Uh, in line, which made it easier. Shout out to my new friend, Brent, who goes by Chasing 86 Fleer. That's right. uh, Friend of the show, Brent. I think I met him in Indy in uh, 20, I don't know, a couple years ago. Whenever I went to Midwest Monster, I met him there. Nice guy. Very nice guy. Made the time go by a lot quicker. But yeah, we spent uh, about 10 hours together waiting for Kareem's autograph. (laughs) So, okay. So there were kind of predefined time slots that he was signing. So um, how did they handle that? Because, you know, you weren't really in a Saturday slot. So did they put you before those autographs? Did they put you after what all went down there? They eventually got through all the, the VIP and priority pass, you know, whatever they're called. Um, that took a long time. The people who were, you know, only there one day. So for instance, they were there Friday and flying home on Saturday. Those had to get refunded. 
Um, so I'm sure it was a hassle for the show or for TriStar or whoever was managing those refunds. Um, but they just kind of slowly got through it. And I finally got to meet him by the end of the day on Saturday. And understandably, by that time, he was he was tired. He was still very polite to me. Um, you know, very nice, did a great job at the autograph, even at the end of the day. But that was two long days of uh, signing and interacting with fans. And the introvert and me would have been terrified at the experience that he had. Yeah, he um, he looked when I got my photo on Saturday and this was like first thing Saturday. He just looked downright exhausted. It's so much so like I didn't even ask him a question. I was thinking all weekend, what am I going to ask Kareem? I have, you know, 10 seconds with him or whatever. I saw the guy. I'm like, I can't even, I can't even do this to him. This guy is, is just wore out. He'll probably never do this again. Uh, did, and this is going to sound like, I don't know if this is going to sound like snarky, but I, I heard like he took a nap. Was that true? He just took a nap during the middle of the signing. That is absolutely true. The line stood still for about 90 minutes. While Not he, at the uh, table, the mind hotel. you, for those of you that are listening. <laughs> he he left the table and took a nap. He left the table, went to his hotel room, took a nap for a while, and uh, came back refreshed and ready to sign a couple hundred or thousand more cards. Yeah, well, and you know what? Kareem can do whatever he wants to do. We'll give him that pass because I, I think he's like 76. And uh, like I said, I, I'm just surprised he even did it. I'm like you, when I saw that opportunity come up, I, I bought that ticket as soon as I can. I, I just can't see it happening again. I don't know. How about you? I think that'll be it for him. So yeah, he definitely put in his time. He's a legend. This uh, might be my third hot take of the episode, but <laughs> he's the second greatest player of all time. I'll uh, let you guys decide who one and three is. So I'm uh, because I don't need a, a an inbox full of hate mail this week. I will, I will at least say this. I don't think that's as hot of a take as you think it is. Uh, I think I, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm not going to say who number one is. I'm not going to say who number three is. But I do think that Kareem is is um, a little bit underappreciated, if that's even still possible. So I, I'm with you there. But direct all of your messages regarding that topic to at prolific sports cards. <laughs> okay. Um, thankfully you were flexible through that whole Kareem situation and you were able to make it all work. Uh, it doesn't seem like it soured you on the in-person autograph scene either, because you were telling me about an upcoming George McGinnis signing that you might be part of. I'm actually pretty jealous of that one. And that's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That's at the same venue as at the national, right? Yes, that's a, the same venue, Rosemont. So that's coming up in November. That is the Chicago Spectacular, which they do twice a year there. Um, great show. Always have great autograph guests. So I might get to meet George McGinnis. Um, I definitely plan to meet Jerry West there and get um, an 81 TCMA signed by him. Um, so very excited for that one. So now that you've been to both that show and the National at the same venue, and, and, and obviously the National expanded like quite a bit this year, but um, what what is it? What does the difference feel like when you're there? Is it the same spacing, or do they shut a lot of the areas off? How how big of a show is it compared to that yearly national? Certainly not as big. They have a few of the areas blocked off, so it doesn't take up all those different wings on every side of the lobby. But still, comparative to every other show, quite a big show. Um, so there's a lot to see, a ton of cards, um, lots of autograph guests, but. Um, definitely smaller than the national, but a similar vibe as far as the venue and the dealers and the autograph lines. 
All right. Well, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm jealous. Like I said about George McGinnis, I'm jealous about that. Uh, George doesn't do a lot of signings either because he really doesn't go far from the Indiana area. So uh, you're lucky to have that opportunity and, and definitely take advantage of that. Will, I've really enjoyed hearing about the evolution of your PC over this last year, especially, I know we've chatted before, but it seems like things are, are continuing to evolve. Um, you're the one doing all the work, of course, but thanks to social media, it kind of feels like we're along for the ride. Before I let you go today, I want to give you a chance to plug your social media handles and then anything you're working on or anything you might be looking for. These next few moments here are yours. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm at Prolific Sports Cards on Instagram. So I love, um, you know, reaching out to collectors and chatting really anything about cards. Few people reach out after our last episode in February, which I can't believe is already eight months ago. So that was a, a fantastic perk of um, you having me on. Um, as far as cards I'm looking for, we kind of touched on it, but Walt Frazier, Willis Reed, Dave DeBusher, um, if you have any, you know, cool autographs of those guys, that's um, my main target right now. All right. So there's definitely plenty of that stuff out there. Uh, it's just sometimes it needs to be uh, uncovered. It's not always out in the open. So if you guys could help look for that, Will would much appreciate it. I would appreciate it as well. Thanks again, Will. Thank you so much. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Will for taking the time to come back on the show and on his birthday, no less. Feel free to reach out to him if you enjoyed that conversation, or even if you just want to talk smack about the Knicks. I will not stop you there. I'll let you do that. And then, as always, you can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or X under the handle at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Hit up the website for my affiliate links. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.